Welcome to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast with your hosts, Jeremy Thake and Paul Schaeflein. Each week, you'll catch us speaking to expert developers about new tech, lessons learned, and opinions in this space. Hey, Paul, how are you? I'm doing pretty well. How about yourself? Yeah, good, mate. It's been a second week back at work, so just getting to the rhythm of things and uh, so yeah, it's been a good week. Got a bunch of new stuff going on, and um, one exciting thing, and this is really kind of inside baseball, but it's sharing. Like people often go, "What do you do as a PM?" And like, what's the what's the cool parts about it? And we do these meetings with the execs. So Rajesh is an EVP, executive vice president. He owns a whole of E and D, so he's like the equivalent to Scott Guthrie over in the Azure world. Super super nice guy and super smart. He calls these regular meetings to talk about the M365 platform all up. And there's a lot of CVPs in the room, um, Kevin Gallo, Jeff Teeper, uh, Alesh, who maybe you may may not be aware of, but he's like one of the senior execs on the engineering side in office. And a whole heap of other people in there um, that are just extremely intelligent. And so we had that meeting this week, and it's just really cool to be in a room with that many smart people and hear like, where they strategically want to go in the future with M365 accessibility story and the platform and, um, you know, what the challenges are at the moment and their opinions of it. And just to kind of be in that room, uh, it, you know, makes everything else worthwhile. Um, and, you know, I definitely don't take that for granted and it's been awesome just to see and be, be part of that experience. So that was a kind of my like highlight of this week. Did you have a highlight of the week, Paul? No, actually, because I was struggling with <laughs> dev pipelines and YAML and PowerShell and Azure CLI and Azure PowerShell and SPFX and oh my goodness! Oh boy, that, that's a lot of tech in one one brain. Yeah, and and I got to get my feedback together. But if we're running into things like I want to provision something in Azure and using Azure PowerShell and it just doesn't work, so I switched to the Azure CLI. So okay, so I'm using the CLI. Well, then there's this other thing. Oh, that. That command lid is an extension that hasn't been touched in two and a half years, so it doesn't work with the current version of the service, and so it's just a mismatch of whatever, and oh my goodness, but lots to learn, uh, learned a lot, which is nice, And but yeah, so my week has been kind of crazy, I'm just kind of up for air today, being Friday, so, but... At the end of the day, that's all good, right? I think that's what developers do, right? That's the job, so. Yeah, I think it's, you're always learning, you get better at discovering new skills to be able to learn and knowing what sources to trust online and knowing which ones not to. I think it's kind of part of it. There's definitely a huge reward at the end when it works, but there's certainly times where you just get so frustrated. Uh, yeah, although I do have to say I am very appreciative of the open source stance from Microsoft because I at, at the end of the day, I can just open the GitHub repo and say, well, that's what yeah, they're doing. Whereas in the past, yeah, it yeah. was it was either reflector or just guess and try yeah, stuff. Say, <laughs> <laughs> you were stealing the DLLs off the server and yeah. breaking them open. Yeah, so um, yeah, that's very true. So it's all good. So uh, and a question about that, like obviously, we I still get times like that where I'm digging things and I troubleshoot and like now I use Teams to kind of share screen and walk things through with people if they're not in the office because typically the people I work with are all over the company. But how does that work for you as, you know, working remotely with your team? Like, do you, like, because you've got the time zone thing going against you a little bit as well. Like, how do you balance that, like, not being isolated? Because I always found that just being able to sit there and explain a problem to someone, in some cases, just the process of me explaining, I'm like, it's okay, I've worked it yeah, out now, thanks, yeah. and then they'll leave. Like, how do you do that as a remote, remote employee? It's, so it's a, a couple of angles. 
it, it it's good in the fact that sometimes I just want to open up eight or ten browser windows and some code and hack away, and I don't want distractions. So in that regard, the time zone is perfect. Other than that, it's really just um, have to find time and be persistent. So yeah, I, I I'm fortunate enough that I can just wake up early and catch the office before they they quit for the day. But yeah, sometimes it just means sending a message every four or five minutes saying, you know, <laughs> I'm stuck until you answer me. And <laughs> that usually sets off alarm bells. Yeah, right? so. But I think that's, um, that's a skill that a developer has to learn is how to, I guess, triage the issue. And if it's important, make sure you communicate that it's important and you need to get something going. So, And then typically if it's one of those, okay, I understand the problem. I can't fix it today. We'll put something on the calendar and, and meet, which is good enough, right? Yeah, I always remember when I, we were running a team, there was like a few of us actually running a team of like 40 or 50 developers on a project in Australia. And it was incredible to see some of the developers who would just like sit there for a day and not put their hand up, not come and ask someone and try and troubleshoot on their own. And, you know, trying to break that mold of actually, you know, at some point you need to come up for air and go ask someone or just explain the problem to someone and you'll find you'll be able to resolve it a lot quicker. And uh, over time, they, they, you know, they realized that's the better option, but it took a long time for a few of those folks to like be able to snap out of the, I'm going to do this on my own type scenario and, and realize the value of the fact there was 40 or so developers around you that could probably help you. Yeah, yeah right. That's, and I see a lot with, with junior devs, right? It's, the, it's that whole, mm-hmm. I want to show that I'm a self-starter and I can do this so I don't want to appear in, incapable. But yeah, it's a, it's a struggle. So, But when you've been around for a while and you have a big mouth like me, things work kind of different. <laughs> yeah. I mean, most of my closest friends now are people that were the ones that helped me back at the beginning of my career that I keep in touch with. A majority of them in Australia still. And, uh, you know, they're like my best mates over there. So, you know, they, it's good to build those kind of relationships too. Exactly. And you never know, especially if you're a junior dev, you never know where these people you're working with will end up or where you'll end up in the future in this world right. so, or what tech you're working yeah. on. Just just as a reminder, right, so how many times have we had a guest on the show who's a longtime SharePoint expert, but yet we're not talking about SharePoint, right? So that uh, certainly is uh, worth worth doing that. Pretty interesting stuff. So in the news this week, uh, there's a few things. Well, there's quite a few things but across like graphy stuff, actually, which is kind of nice. Um, obviously, you have Vesser on the show talking about 1.10. So we'll just skip over that news around SPFX because you're going to have a whole show on it. But um, <laughs> there you go. The other cool thing that we announced last week, uh, where we were just catching up, we didn't do all the news in the first episode back of the year, was the Meetings Capsule Solution Template that uh, we'd outsourced to where Todd McKinsey works at Canvas. And it's essentially a Microsoft Teams app that is running in Azure as an ASP.NET core application uh, with you know web APIs at the UI calls. And it's a demonstration of how you can use Microsoft Teams as a UI within where the customer will be working and leveraging all the entities that are available inside of Microsoft Graph, like Planner Tasks and OneDrive Files and Outlook Calendar uh, Invites and you know all these other bits and pieces. And selfishly, it came from an idea that I'd put together in the way that I run my VT meetings. And I run a bunch of VT meetings for things like the docs and the developer portal. Um, and we have this PM sync every week where all the PMs in the graph hopefully join. And um, we have like agenda items so that we kind of entice people to come to the meeting. So they don't just think it's yet another weekly meeting. 
And then we have notes we send out afterwards and tasks that get assigned to people to go follow up on. And, you know, that whole process is a pain if you're doing it manually. This solution template basically um, automates all of that. And so it's really cool. And uh, we've open sourced it and we've already had a bunch of people using it and giving us feedback and making feature requests. And we're like, you can do PRs, you know. And so it'll be really interesting to see how this goes because um, we've made like a trailer video for it on YouTube and we're sharing that with the field to share to customers. And the feedback we've been getting is, is that, you know, customers are now going to their IT departments going, we need this deployed into our environment. So it's really exciting to see, like not just a hero demo that's ordering pizza or, you know, rebuilding Uber, but something that a customer can genuinely take and use. I guess a little bit like Fab 40 templates in SharePoint back in the day, but without all the horrible guff that went with it. Well, at the time, it wasn't horrible, right? It's just a bit... <laughs> it wasn't. It was only once SharePoint team had made some decisions about what they were doing with upgrading that they became horrible. Yeah, but the, yeah, this is a, a classic example right, of people seeing a need and, and quote, homegrown solutions, right? I mean, obviously, you can the stuff you're talking about with meetings can be done in a million different ways. And, and what works best for your group of people is maybe different than my group of people. But the difference, as you pointed out, right, the Fab 40 was kind of a black box. It worked the way SharePoint worked, and it was kind of packaged together in a certain way, whereas this is open source using the, you know, the, the, the tools and the service. So if something doesn't work quite the way I want, it's easy enough to change to adapt to my group. So it's great to see this. Yeah, and like they use the Microsoft Graph Toolkit web components and, you know, MSAL and the Graph SDK. Um, and so, you know, I think... It, End-to-end to get the whole thing going was four weeks of kind of design, spec, full ramp up at the CI builds and, and deploying out to GitHub. So really cool to see that going. And we had a code review process that slowed things down a little bit because we wanted to get make sure we were rubber stamped by a bunch of different teams internally. Um, and, you know, the Teams team have an SDK that makes it super easy to get the auth tokens to then use to call the graph as the user signed in as team. So... Um, yeah, just go check that out. It's the meanings capture solution template. We'll definitely get Todd on to talk about this in another show in the future. And there's a, there was a community call in January that we went through this in detail too. And then talking about single sign-on, uh, the Office add-ins team. So if you think Outlook, Word, PowerPoint, Excel, there's been a fair bit of feedback for them on the fact that, you know, if I've got an add-in, a task pane add-in, which, you know, has been around for a long time now. I was in marketing and that was already launched and we, you know, pushing hard on it. And obviously there was the SharePoint add-in model that came out at the same time that is now kind of really been replaced by SPFX for, you know, definitely better than worse for sure. Um, and so, but they've always had this question mark around like how to do single sign-on and there's been a bunch of people work out how to do it manually but now they have this, uh, the Yo Office, which is something I actually started when I was in marketing as a Skunk Works project that is now like their official way of creating add-ins. It's like, talk about legacy there. So that's definitely one I put on my wall as an achievement for sure, even though it wasn't a marketing role. Um, and actually, Andrew help, Connell helped me a lot with that once I got it going. He goes, no, you're doing this wrong in Yeoman and you shouldn't do it that way. So thanks. And so I learned, again, learned heaps from a peer to get this right. Um, but so this now allows you to, in the way that Office wants you to handle single sign-on, and there's a whole quick start there as well in that uh, post. So if you are doing anything with Office add-ins, um, please, please, please go and check that out. 
and um, let us know what you think. And and Sylvia Okafora has been involved heavily in that um, that process. That's that's awesome. Yeah, I, I'm glad to see this because, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Right, your users don't understand the why I need to sign on multiple times. And, and I love I love how in the screenshot they show the user's name in the title bar of Excel. And I want to get that value mm-hmm. into the body of the document, for example. And so users don't understand. Right. And and this is yet another reason why we should be building on the Office or the Microsoft 365 platform and and using the SDKs. People have talked before about how I, I don't I don't want to use Azure AD to log in because I have my own login system. Here's yet another reason why it should you you want to build on this platform and use all the pieces. And and if the tech is yeah. rough around the edges, say something because obviously teams are working on solving those issues. So this uh, I'm sure this idea has been heard long and loud in in the Excel or the Office team, right? This single sign-on. So it, granted, it may not have been instant, but it, they got there and, and they'll continue to get there, I'm sure. Yeah, so I believe this is still in preview, but um, they're waiting for feedback and then they'll ship it. So this is kind of nice that they've finally got an official shrink wrap way of going ahead and doing it. So I'm sure there's a lot of partners out there that um, have been asking me for a long time when this is coming. So it's great to see it. You know, you mentioned the Microsoft Graph Toolkit. They uh, they had an update. And this is a bit of an older news item that we've I've punted a couple episodes. But what's interesting, obviously, we have a lot of coverage on this in the back. Nicole has been on a couple times. But they added a new component that does a GET request to the any Graph API. And I love their example here is just GET resource yeah, equals cool. slash me slash messages. And then you just provide a template that does the data binding. So very cool. I, I have to admit, I haven't done much this. I don't do much UI work because, you know, I don't get all the crayons. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I love the idea around this and have certainly, you know, bookmarked the the, the, the docs on this to, to kick in next time I get a chance to write some UI code and, and, and kick the tires. But nice to see that's going in. And then there's one other additional feature using a proxy provider for those folks who have uh, complex networks that the code's running behind. But uh, nice to see uh, that moving along as well. Yeah. And the the meaning capture actually does that. So the meaning capture uses a proxy provider, and I believe it uses the MGT dash get web component in there too. And so, like that's really so that if we don't have an official like, I mean, we have a tasks web component which is fully configurable. But if you didn't, you could just use that and throw in you know me slash tasks, and it would return all your tasks. And so that's, you know, Nicola and the team have done just a great job with uh, with their toolkit stuff. And it's stunning based on our telemetry to really pick up, which is exciting. So, um, yeah, look out for more. I went to a meeting with them yesterday and they were showing some new stuff. It's like, wow, when can we talk about this? It's slow down, Jeremy. We'll get there. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then another team that kind of came to me out of the blue, actually, uh, they had a project that they built uh, with... IFTTT, which is if then, oh, if this, if then, this that. then that. Thank you. And uh, they've <laughs> built a GitHub repo that essentially allows you to create those actions that can be basically then plugged into one of those flows. So it is very, very similar to Microsoft Flows, but um, it's kind of neat because they do a bunch of stuff with Service Key and Azure Key validation to kind of really show you how to run this as a service. Um, and so that was uh, Henrik Spencer, Shane Weather, and Gary Hughes, who are in the PAX org, which is the same team as Nicola's in, actually. And so if you're already using IFTTT, um, then definitely um, 
give that a give that a whirl. I know there's a lot of partners down in the valley that use it alongside their own actions, and they wanted to be able to kind of string together OneDrive because their customers are using it as well as having their own actions in there. So some really cool scenarios there. And again, smart smart people. Uh, that have built that thing out. So definitely go check that out. Yeah. Uh, recipes that run with Teams, Calendar, Contacts, and OneNote. So there you, you got to love all that. Love that. Moving on to something uh, a little less developer-y, I have a couple of different news items. One is a, a blog post by Mark Rusinovich, who is the Chief Technology Officer at Microsoft Azure. Boy, wouldn't that be an interesting guest to get on? But anyways. Uh, I spoke with him on stage at the keynote. That was my first keynote was speaking with nice. him. And he was like, Eight foot tall, and they were like, "Do you want to stand on the box?" So it doesn't look so. Yeah. Uh, um, but he made made a post um, covering Azure Active Directory availability. So I, I can't remember the timing. Twelve, eighteen months ago, there was a meltdown at a data center where there were some issues, and I know recently there was an MFA issue with because the Apple. The Apple push service wasn't working for whatever reason. And so he has a long, a high level post, as you'd expect someone at, at this in the C-suite that's talking about the availability principles and, and what their plan is going forward uh, to, to harden the Azure AD, the, the core service that everything is built on. Right? We just talked about single sign-on and users just want to log in and be done with it. So, so it's getting some attention. I, it can't get any higher attention, right, in the technical side, I'm sure. Not, so. not the mark. Yeah, so. Well, I'm sure he's in executive briefings a lot where customers were asking him, so what are you doing after those incidents? Yeah, exactly. So this is just them going, <clears throat> here's what we're doing, which is yeah, cool. Yeah, it's nice. And then another um, non-techie, well, sort of techie news is uh, the new Microsoft Edge has launched. This happened... Yeah. Yeah, yesterday, the day before, whatever. So this week, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, Chromium-based Edge has launched, and so I love it. I do too. You know, so I've been running Canary for a while, and I act last week. It went crazy. The um, the well, first of all, they someone moved my cheese because instead of clicking the login button, I clicked the sign out everywhere button on one of the office pages. So then, of course. Nothing. I had to sign into every app on the world. This was a my, uh, you know, my my corporate account. But the the logins for Chrome or, or for Edge based on Chrome went crazy. The lo- the sign in button would never work, so none of my syncing would happen, and it was kind of a yeah. mess. Um, but it's fixed, so um, I may move off of Canary onto something more <laughs> more permanent. But it's it's great. I love it. It, it it's it's syncing favorites. I had to go through and clean up favorites because each machine had different favorites that I didn't realize, and now they're all the same. Yeah, I had the same problem as well. I had like five different Stack Overflow but bookmarks on my bookmarks favorite. Oh, well, I got a little prompt that said, would you like to remove duplicates? Did you see that? Oh, I so, didn't see that. Uh, That'd have been smart. Yeah. So at one point, it was like, the, it was a couple hours later when I launched the browser. Um, no, I didn't launch the browser. I went into the profile page. Yeah, yeah. And it said, hey, we've detected these duplicates. Do you want to remove them? That's cool. And it did a little wizard. Uh, yeah. So to help... Uh, help do that. So I, rather than just assuming we can replace them, it, it went through. So it's really cool. It's nice. Uh, I got my home, my new tab page to be the Office 365 based uh, informational view. So I get the, the Bing background at the very, very top. And then um, information from my Office 365 tenant recommended and recent features and stuff like that. So that, yeah, that's how I got my cool. new tab. So, so uh, what's your new tab page configured to be? It's the, what do we call it? Office.com homepage so shows me all the documents i can quick launch over and a bunch of other bits and pieces so i, I love that 
that page. Yeah, I think that's that's the Office 365 hosted informational. Yeah. Right. So yeah. if you click on the gear, right? Yeah, it says yeah. Uh, informational. Yeah. So. And then the commu- before we go into the community news, I just wanted to have a call out. If you're not hearing us call out, we both of us got Feedly running. We follow a bunch of different blog posts, and obviously we're on Twitter's looking for things too. But if we're not calling out your community content, please reach out to either of us on Twitter, just DM us, or just call us out directly in public on at mention us. Um, we've got two good ones today, uh, of which Glenn we've had on mentioned quite a few times because he's just always putting out killer content, and a new um, new developer as well. But um, we'd love to hear more and more, so please reach out to us and let us know if you're not getting called out on the show. So, what did you come up with this week, Paul? Yeah, so as you mentioned, Glenn, this is Glenn Scales. Uh, he we we posted a, a, a contribution of his before about having a like a calendar overlay inside of Teams, and and th- this week we're highlighting his uh, a year at a glance calendar based on Excel, which is the the fact that it, it's it's you know holidays. It doesn't seem very exciting, but he's got a sample code including screenshots and instructions where you end up with a Microsoft Teams app that has a tab, and in the tab it runs some JavaScript using the Graph API to connect to calendars and uh, um, authentication, and then writes an Excel file with a bunch of information. So it really is touching a, a, a few pieces. And just to show you here how I can use JavaScript, I mean, it's 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 plain old JavaScript and calling out to these services running inside of Microsoft Teams. So really, um, if you're doing any work in that area, you can get another great example. Well, I was just thinking my brother can use this. He's always complaining that he, he books all weddings. For, he's a wedding photographer in Australia. So if you're getting married, please reach out to my brother <laughs> and mention I came and that way I'll get a beer from him next time I see him. But um, he's always complaining that it's hard to see like a year at glance of all his weddings in one view. And so this is perfect. Like if he, you know, categorized the event that it was a wedding weekend or whatever, um, he could just run loop through the graph and just get just those events back and write them into his Excel spreadsheet and he'd be away. Um, so I really like that. It's a super clever way of doing things. So again, he does, seems to do a lot around calendars. So I'm assuming wherever he works or whatever consulting gigs he has, this is like where they're getting their work from. And he's in uh, Sydney, Australia. I, I don't believe I've ever met him before you ask. And I was like, oh, so you know him? I was like, Australia's a big place, you know. (laughs) Uh, It doesn't look like it's getting any better either. So please, if you um, have any extra money, please, please, please think about and consider donating. There are many good websites out there to do it. And Australia really needs help at the moment with all this. Um, And then the last one, uh, which is going to totally get your name wrong. He's Yarbus Horst, um, and he's a senior solution architect at Valo, actually. So he's with all our other friends over there at Valo um, that seem to always be in Redmond for MVP summits and so forth. He has a scenario where uh, someone was changing teams, and in some cases I've heard this where they're consolidating tenants where like company acquisitions happen, and he was using the graph to copy uh, between different teams, all of the content. And so he uses all the kind of the available APIs to go move that content across. And in here, he's sharing this as a PowerShell script that he's running. Now, the nice thing about this now is, is that potentially he can rip all of this code out where he's just calling rest calls directly using the invoke rest method. 
and put in Daryl and Peter's fancy new Microsoft Graph SDK that we've released in preview. Um, but it's just really good to show, like he's creating tabs, he's uploading files, he's you know just showing all how to get the access tokens, which again, if you did it with the SDK, he could just literally throw away that entire method at the end of his code. And so, but for me, it's just more about the notion of what the graph can do, not just for developers, but for, in this case, someone who just wants to get a quick thing done um, in the PowerShell command. So it's pretty cool stuff. Yes, uh, very common request, right? With just basic hygiene that no one wants to engage a developer on. and, and Right, yeah, right. Right, so... Yeah, we're, we're, again, that's another thing we're looking at the telemetry is seeing go bonkers is those PowerShell commands. So really excited that Daryl prioritized that with his team. And the good news is his team is growing which means we'll get even more stuff from him, which is excellent. Nice. I look forward to that. So we certainly want to uh, revisit the PowerShell stuff when it comes in. I know Todd Clint did a, a, one of your community calls with uh, PowerShell, but we'll certainly put him on a list to get uh, him on once we have a... Oh, and actually, I'm going to sneak him out because he uh, he's been over written a blog post and he hasn't. So we'll use the podcast to announce this. Um, it's now available in the PowerShell gallery. And based on all the feedback we got from the community at Ignite and from online on GitHub, we have actually added the prefix to the beginning of the PowerShell commandlets. And so if you go to the PowerShell gallery right now, you better find those. Uh, the giraffe is all over all the modules, which is great. Um, and you can go use that today. So you've always been able to get to it. We've had a slight workaround of hosting our own uh PowerShell gallery, but now with officially publishing that to the the Microsoft PowerShell gallery. So um, please, please, if you haven't tried this stuff out yet, it's going to save you a lot of time. And there's some really cool automation stuff you can do with it too. And I really th- want to thank Daryl for him asking around how are other people doing things. As I mentioned at the top of the show, right, I have trouble the CLI does X and the PowerShell does Y and how, why don't they talk to each other? And I know Daryl has, has had lots of meetings and engaged a lot of folks to say, what's the best way we do this? Or he even posted on Twitter, but Hey, I just came across this Azure identity SDK. What does this do? Anyone use this? And, and things as so oh, it, it's nice to see that he's not trying to blaze a brand new trail. He's trying to follow the path that's already been let, which helps us poor developers who have to learn this stuff. So it's all great. So. Yeah, I think the the empathy in uh, Daryl and I is very strong. So you have the right people in there making the right decisions. I think based on what you or the feedback you give us. So thank you. All right, so that was quite a lengthy intro. You did most of the work, and then I did all the talking, as as generally happens. So we have Vesa Uvonen, <laughs> and I'm sure I mispronounced his name, but I think people want me to mispronounce their name now. But Vesa uh, came on the show to talk about the SPFX release, the 1.10 release. And we won't go into detail here. He covers it all. He Obviously, he's in lots of places, but we did dive deep into, well, maybe not horribly deep, but we did cover a lot of interesting things of... of the SPFX release and um, where it's available and not available, the on-prem stuff, just to kind of get what's going on. But we, we did the topics that we covered, you and I here, Office and Teams, and, and we did discuss how the SPFX uh, paradigm and actually some of the co- same code is, can be used across different platforms. So it was really uh, it was great to get Vesa on. I appreciate him taking time out of his busy, busy social calendar to, to give us a half hour or so. That's awesome. Well, thanks for doing that. And uh, we'll see everyone next week, I guess. All right. See you. So on the podcast with me this week is Vesa from Microsoft. Vesa, welcome. 
Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Paul, for having me. And will you give the one or two folks who don't yet know who you are a little bit introduction about uh, what you do? Yeah, sure. So, uh, so my name is Esa Yvonne. I'm a principal program manager from the OneDrive SharePoint platform team. And, and I'm responsible of, well, mainly the, the open source community, uh, making sure that whatever Luca and Pat, as an example, built in the SharePoint framework will be then used by our partners and customers uh, in the community. And I'm sure I own some of the features as well. Thank you. That sounds great. And so let's dive right in. The, the, the big news, biggest news, I guess, uh, prior to you hopping on here is the latest release of SPFX, right? So at 1.10? Yes. Uh, what, are, what are the highlights for what folks can find in 1.10? So, yeah, so uh, we it took a while for us to get the 1.10 out. Uh, we were planning to get it out actually originally by Ignite, and then it got slightly delayed. And, and it's actually kind of a problematic, uh, well, not a problematic is a wrong word. I'm an ex-consultant. I should know this. The challenging release. So the challenging about this release was really the, the work across organizations because we, we work uh, closely with Microsoft Teams, Dev Platform Organization, and we are we enabled uh, the, the personal apps in the Teams, which then needed to roll out at the same time as SharePoint Framework opens a 1.10 release, a big thing for us. And, and we're further increasing or making the Teams development even better. Uh, there was also improvements related on Microsoft Teams Mobile will support SharePoint Framework and extensibility as well. Uh, it should be there. It seems to be that there's still some delays on flights and enabling things. This is quite typical. It takes always roughly a week to get all of the things and nipples, uh, nubs, uh, notch, uh, switches enabled so everything is running smoothly. The other kind of a big thing for us is, is also the Microsoft Teams integration is already uh, G8, uh, so this is good. But the other thing, big thing is that you can actually actually start building Office add-ins using SharePoint Framework, which even as a term looks sounds so weird. You're using SharePoint Framework to build Office add-ins. Excuse me, what? Because if you think about this, I say, well, me, Paul, me, me, you, we are senior, we've been around for a long time, we're way too old and, and cray. If you would be a new developer coming into the Microsoft 365 and somebody tells you that, hey, hey you need to implement Office add-in. Okay, cool. So how do I implement Office add-ins? Use SharePoint Framework. And it's like, excuse me, what? <laughs> Why isn't it called an Office Framework or <laughs> whatever it is? So, <laughs> but yeah, so Office add-ins. So starting from 1.10, you can actually implement Outlook web access add-ins uh, using SharePoint Framework as a preview. And then it's getting extended to the desktops and other uh, Excel, Word, and PowerPoint in the future as well. Um, so we're super excited on that one. And Office add-ins team is super excited on providing that uh, capability because this way your extensibility is automatically hosted. And that's really the key benefit out of using SharePoint Framework because um, and as a classic, let's say, Office add-in scenario yeah, or Teams tapped scenario, you need to figure out how, where is your extensibility hosted. You need to set up an Azure application. You need to do the permissions. You need to host that operations and everything else. And all of that, you don't have to worry when you use SharePoint Framework. Um, or in the future, whatever we will call it, because obviously it's getting now extended uh, across multiple pl platforms, multiple products. So it's going to get renamed uh, whenever Mike Camelan and marketing will come up with a fancy uh, name uh, for SharePoint Framework. Well, you know, so uh, there's a lot in that answer, but um, j the juggling that the developer teams have to do to make things work is equal to the amount of juggling the marketing teams have to do, I'm sure, when they get into the market. So we'll get there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, with all that, I want to unpack a few things on that, right? So the host using SPFX for your add-ins or teams, right? So this 
I know you mentioned there's all kinds of choice about where to host it and deploying it, but I think most of our audience is, is developers. And so for them, and this is kind of, I know the answer here, but what is the difference between writing code for SharePoint or writing code for Teams or writing code for Office from the developer's point of view, right? From a, if you think about this from a SharePoint framework perspective, there is no difference. Obviously, it's the same piece of code uh, can be surfaced in all of these applications. But if we think about this from a, uh, let's say, if you would not use SharePoint framework, then you have your own ways of doing extensibility. And that means that you have multiple different ways of then learning uh, which you need to learn to do the extensibility. So using a one unified framework, which is going to get extended from a capability perspective and additional integration options, um, it means that if you learn a one set of tools and skills, um, you can actually use those to, to implement your enterprise extensibility across the whole Microsoft 365 stack. Well, not precisely because Windows is still a separate path, but still, um, in, maybe in the future, that path and, and will be integrated as well. Who knows? We'll see. Right. And so just to reiterate that, right, if I learn uh, the tool chain with uh, uh, Node and Yeoman and write my JavaScript code or, or React code, I don't have to learn yet something different, right? Correct. And from a positioning perspective, so to be fair, uh, I think we need to remember that this is not going to replace the existing, uh, let's say, Office add-in model. This is not going to replace the existing Teams model because there's a lot of SaaS applications out there. There's a lot of like classic examples like Trello wants to ex expose their application through Microsoft Teams tabs. And that, that's, that's going to be there. It's going to be fully supported. Uh, that's the Teams solution platform. And that actually is supported by SharePoint even. So you can actually expose if you have a SaaS application, you can expose that as a my, uh, SharePoint uh, web part. But so we're not going to replace that one, but we, uh, that model where you have an existing application, you want to surface that inside of the of the Microsoft 365. But if you build a new enterprise applications, um, having a one unified way of implementing and taking advantage of Azure behind of the scenes and unified way of doing the permissions and uh, the unified U Office UI fabric, all of this controls, which we're going to touch later on the discussion, it's going to be increasing your productivity um, rather than having multiple set of different ways of you have to learn, right? Uh, like it used to be in the past. One difference I would expect, though, is that uh, I, I can write some code that'll interact with SharePoint using either using the classes provided by SPFX or using the PNPJS. But if I want to interact with the Office Canvas, I still need to use the Office API, right? I still have the little differences sure. there, right? Sure. Okay, yeah. Sure. And so while we're saying it's it's the same code for users, just be aware that your host context may be different. But I think that's a fair trade-off, right? I mean, just if I want to talk to Office, I got to write the Office API. True. And you get access on the Office.js through using... Uh, so, so basically, you can think about the web part as a panel, and then you expose that panel in Microsoft Teams tab, or as a web part, or as an Office add-in, uh, add uh, what, what are they called, tool pane? Task pane. Um, and yeah. then that panel has an access in the context of the panel. It has access on Office JavaScript uh, SDK or Teams JavaScript SDK. So you have access directly there. You don't have to worry about where the access is coming from. You'll just do if me.context.sdk.office equals not null, 
that means that I have access on Office client or Office wherever I'm actually being hosted. And and so it's super convenient, easy way to do that stuff using, again, the consistent extensibility. Now, to be fair, um, there was other things also in, in 1.10, just to mention this as well. So uh, search query extension uh, is going to be now in preview. So you're able to build search query extensions. For now, they only work in a SharePoint, but the intention is that they will be working across the Microsoft uh, Search uh, sooner or later. And then there's a better application customizer uh, rendering experience, which is basically the, the pre-allocated uh, space, which basically means that if you use the header placeholder, uh, your page will not be moving as part of the page loading as much as it did in the past, which was not convenient. Yeah, one of the fit and finish items, right? There, it's nice to have, right? So, um, but I want yeah. that the it is a finish or finish fit and finish, like uh, as the last <laughs> things I need to do. But one end as in finish, no. finish, finish. Um, <laughs> no, so that mind. search, the search query. What was that other thing you said? The search query extension. Search query extension. Search query extension. Yes. Yeah, and and so, what does that mean? For uh, give me the higher level description of that, please. This isn't actually super super. Let's say. Uh, sexy functionality, so to say, but what it means is that you can intercept incoming search query and you can modify the incoming search queries based on your business uh, logic. A uh, classic example which we showed in Ignite was that you search for revenue and then we translated that on fly to search uh, the revenue in multiple languages and then we showed the results in the multiple languages as well. Now, what would be the other scenarios? Maybe targeting an organization, targeting a profile-based attributes, uh, getting additional information from Azure, maybe, I don't know. So, But it, it's one of those things where we we want to provide more and more search extensibility and search modern search capabilities. And this is a one step forward of having those extensions more and more. So and and so, where does where would I deploy that? Just to a search site, or is that any site that has a search box or something in between? Uh, right now, it would be deployed to any site which has a search box, and then basically when I write the so in the search box, which is in the suit navigation, write there Paul Shuffling, and then before that text box, our text is getting executed against the corpus, so the search corpus. You can actually inter intercept uh, and modify the query. And so, if I've done SharePoint search in the past with the custom search boxes, or those. those those search rules, I'm familiar with what I can do, right? Similar concepts, right? Yeah, Excellent. exactly, exactly. And then um, the other, one of the other things you mentioned, the, the updates to Fabric UI, right? And so this, um, I, I think it's kind of a big deal. You don't think it's really such a big deal. <laughs> this is so, <laughs> yeah, we talked about this one before the discussion. Yeah, right. And so, so the high level is you now use a newer version of the Fabric controls. Is that, if I got that right? Well, gradually, yes. So, so what we're doing is that we are pushing out, uh, well, right now they're even called an Office UI Fabric controls. And uh, there's a ongoing, a larger, uh, let's say, discussion uh, on what, what, what are the controls which we should be deploying as part of Microsoft Tree. 65 because at some point we had a Microsoft Teams Stardust and then we had Office UI Fabric. And all of that is getting slightly sooner or later. Uh, there's a ongoing, let's say, discussions and plans on that, which I probably should be not disclosing on this discussion. Uh, but all of that is getting clarified because we shouldn't have competing controls coming from Microsoft. We only have a one set of controls. And then as part of the, the new, new latest version of Office UI Fabric, Office UI Fabric 7, we're starting to use the Fluent UI that's the right term. Uh, Fluent UI, uh, which is basically the, the new Microsoft UX uh, across Windows and Microsoft 365 to make things looking, again, pretty. Um, I don't think it's a massive UI change, but it, it maybe it does make 
things look slightly more pretty. Right. Yeah. So you know, I, th- I say it's a big deal because my code can look like SharePoint True. and I have tighter True. integration. True. And you say it's no big deal because what are the steps I have to do to get this goodness in my code? Well, no, no. Well, actually, the discussion, what we had in email, let's, let's be precise. <laughs> let's have a, this debate as part of this podcast. So the dis- uh, was around the fact that uh, the Lego download uh, load legacy CSS entries, is that a meaningful attribute or not? Um, so I think it, you might have been actually referring to the Office UI Fabric 7, but then in the context, you said load classic UI Fabric CSS entry. And I don't think that attribute itself is not super sexy itself. But that, that there's a, how would I put it, as part of this transition, this is a classic challenge what we have within SharePoint or any platform which is hosting extensibility. As part of this transition to the Office UI Fabric 7, we will obviously change all of our styles, uh, native styles in the first party experience. And, but what if you have an extensibility which have been implemented using SharePoint Framework 1.4, let's say four, or older version, which is reliant on the old style definitions. And that's basically uh, kind of a classic challenge what we have being as a host platform. Uh, we need to make sure that the old extensibility will work regardless what are we using as the latest and greatest. And, and that requires some level of a configurations and options and, and thinking. Right. But if I update my code to use the 1.10 stack, yes. I get those updates to the UI for free. Correct. Yes. As long as you use the latest and greatest, uh, you will get all of the updates for free. And then there are uh, kind of, a, let's say, if you want to use the latest, but you want to fall back on the classic uh, styling, you can do that. Um, then you have a, 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 let's say, compile time or runtime switch where you say, hey, SharePoint Online, you're hosting me. Oh, by the way, I have a dependent on the classic styles, which no longer apparently are available, but please load them for me so I can reference them so my controls are still working fine. So, and that's that's basically one of the attributes which are now getting introduced as well. Right. So that's all easy, easy to do. And then I'm assuming that the, we can use the CLI to update our versions as we have in the past, Correct. right? The, Correct. Yeah, yes. Yes. The CLI is up to date. It's <laughs> your online partner in video has got his work to all done. All done. Right. Thanks, Waldeck. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it, it, it's actually. Awesome. It's, it's great to see. And it's all, not only Waldeck, it's also Gary Trinder. There's a, uh, no, I'm missing, missing names. There's a Veling um, uh, also actively involved as well. So it's, it's a growing amount of MVPs who are making sure that immediately when we release 1.10, within one hour, they will say upgrade guidance available in CLI. And, and that's amazing because community is helping community to upgrade on the latest version. So like it should be. Yes, excellent. So uh, now the ne- next thing I, I want to touch on, and, and since Jeremy couldn't make it, he dropped me a note. Let, he'd love to say uh, there is a, a Teams or meeting capture app that's in Teams running yes. on SharePoint at your front. Can, so what's the high level? What is this demo? And then you mentioned to me earlier, there's some samples on the roadmap. So can you give us some details on that? <laughs> Yeah, so the, the, as part of the Ignite uh, to a pre-day and also as part of the Ignite demos, uh, we, we designed and created uh, with, uh, with our friends in Canvas uh, a meeting capture application, which is then demonstrating Microsoft 365 development platform. 
again, except for the Windows part. Uh, unfortunately, we need to get all of this sorted out sooner or later. But the, what it actually does is it is a SaaS application, so web application hosted in Azure, where you can go and capture meeting notes and agenda items. You can work on the agenda items by yourself. Um, then you can expose the tasks which you potentially get from the meeting uh, using a web part or as a Microsoft Teams tab as well, which is actually built using SharePoint framework. Uh, it's also behind the scenes using Microsoft Craft, obviously, because every single application in Microsoft 365 should be using Microsoft Craft. Um, well, if you're not, that's weird. Um, but um, it's storing uh, the files behind the scenes in SharePoint because SharePoint is being acting as, as the file system and the file storage system behind the scenes as well. So it's a really nice application. I think it's available already in the Microsoft Craft uh, GitHub. Uh, let's put it in the video notes uh, so um, so people can easily access that. And, and I think there was a nice recap on that application in the, in the January Microsoft Craft community call. Uh, uh, where uh, Jeremy and Todd Paczynski went through the solution and explained how, how it has been implemented. So super valuable, polished hero demo, so to say. I know that there are a, a few little examples using uh, using SPFX in a Teams app. And so do we have examples or sample code coming about using the Office add-ins as well? Can we? Uh... Yes. So we um, we have tutorials on, on using uh, creating Office add-ins using SharePoint Framework. And, and I would say now, Nowadays, it's actually funny. The January summary on on SharePoint PMP, most of the samples which we actually got for around Microsoft Craft, and also creating Microsoft Teams tabs, which we're using Microsoft Craft behind the scenes. So it's it's obviously people want to use this tool stack to implement Microsoft Teams extensibility as well. Um, and sure, you can then surface them as a web part as well, um, which is absolutely a valid option. Um, but it's more and more seeing we're seeing this. Um, it's not just SharePoint specific stuff in the SharePoint side of the house. It's more and more getting extended um, in the Teams, in the Office settings, and, and also using Microsoft Graph as well. Um, we have an updated Graph tutorials. We have updated Graph examples um, available as well. You know, and so I just want to put in my own little uh, external comments. There's a lot of a lot of struggle around getting access tokens in the various libraries using the Microsoft identity. But in SharePoint, it's Luca and the team have fixed that. It's easy to do yep. it. So it certainly helps bootstrap that. Absolutely. So well done on that. Absolutely. Well, and, and I would I would say on that one because you don't have to do anything. It it just works. That that's the magical piece. So <laughs> it, it just it's mind blowing, but um, it is as simple well, as possible. Well, you do. Yeah, you do have to explain to your admins what's going sure. on. So that I, is true. I, I, I don't that want is to true. simplify the that test, but but the coding tasks are much simpler, which which yes, is great. Absolutely. So so now a, a couple of other um, items I want to talk a touch on. So the. 1.10 obviously is for SharePoint Online. Is there any news that you can share about using the SharePoint server versions? Is there any of this capability that obviously the online pieces can't go to the server, but is there any news in that regard? Or still status quo? Uh, no, not really. No, that the SharePoint Server 2006-2019 the supports will remain the same. Um, technically, we can't upgrade the the supported versions uh, because we would have to upgrade the UX. Either, either in either one of the versions. Uh, so it's fair to say that it's highly, 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 highly unlikely that any changes will be introduced in SharePoint 2019 uh, SharePoint framework support because technically it's impossible for us to do that. Or 
well, technically nothing is impossible, but the investments for doing that uh, upgrade would be so significant that we would actually have to release a new on-premises version. Exactly, yes. And and so will there be a new on-premises version? I don't think we have disclosed that there will be, so probably I should be quiet I'm not promising anything <laughs> well, well, yeah well and that's the exact that's the answer i expected right just to reiterate to the point that uh, you know because if you're on the sharepoint server that's you have the version that shipped and and be aware of that excellent and then now i know this uh, a source spot from back in the day with new spfx versions were immediately followed with a dot one release but i haven't seen that yet in this one so uh, good news to report there i'm guessing the the process i mean that's it's a it was a new process that had to be resolved and and how does it look from your point of view well depending on when this this podcast has gone live the, the situation might have actually changed um, so um so i don't think this is going to go live later today but uh, i think we're looking into having a dot one uh, release unfortunately uh there's are there's always the last minute findings and then maybe we should have actually kept the, the release slightly uh later or, or further down on the road and to this sort of thing so there is a small in some of the dot net dot one findings they have been really 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 small things um but we didn't want to keep them in the in the release, so I think uh, we will have a dot one uh, release as part of the one point ten point uh, release as well. Unfortunately. Okay. Okay. So if I want to be aware of these types of changes, I, I know that I can get a developer tenant. Yes. And obviously, companies have can have multiple tenants. Is there what can I do as a developer to understand what versions of the service, if you will, are being hosted for me that I can try and kick the tires on these types of things? Is there anything I can do as a as a non Microsofty? Um. Not really. I think the the it's the being on the targeted release tenant uh, is is obviously the number one thing. Uh, you get always the latest and greatest. And technically, uh, when when our build systems are up and running normally, um, you actually get a version even from the previous week. So stuff which was checked in on the previous week and the source code source code are going out to your tech re, uh, tech release tenant within the following week, which means that you are really 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 early on the on the cycle. Um, but for example, in this case that we are seems to be that there will be 10.1 uh, re- release. Uh, it's more on the client side. So on the scaffolding side of the things, uh, we are changing certain values. So nothing too critical. But in technically, um, how would you keep up to date on what's happening uh, using Twitter, using SP Dev Docs. Uh, if you find any issue related on SharePoint framework or anything in SharePoint Dev, go to the SP Dev Docs issue list, submit an issue. We have support engineers there. We have engineering people there. We have MVP uh, people there helping with those incoming questions as well. Um, and quite often you can actually find that, hey, somebody else has already reported this issue. And if it's a critical issue, people have might have jumped in already and you can actually follow up on the on the progress of stuff getting a result as well. Uh, so we're trying to be as transparent and as open as possible uh, within these things. Yes, and and so just to reiterate, the key thing there is get a developer tenant and set it to targeted release. Yep, and push your code there first and test your specific functionality, right? Yes, so, correct. Yes, and then okay, and then now um, the you mentioned the SP DevDocs issue list. The other, what is the other place for ideas? Uh, uh, user voice obviously is the short answer, but is there a specific SharePoint framework uh, user voice request location? Well, there's there's only a SharePoint Dev user voice, uh, but in there there's a category related on SharePoint framework, and most of the SharePoint Dev user voice entries which are, which are coming in uh, on a weekly basis. 
databases are basically on SharePoint framework. So um, everything what you submit through there goes through me. So I'm, I'm the one who's coordinating the dev side uh, on the user voice as well. But obviously, if it's an issue, again, if it's an issue, if it's something which doesn't seem to be looking right, then the SP Dev Docs issue list. If it's a something new, you want to have a new feature, um, uh, go to the user voice and have a look on probably somebody has voted already something similar get votes on that one that actually does matter even though it doesn't guarantee that to be available within a matter of months and um, but sooner or later it's going to be available so that's that's highly useful as well now we we are looking into moving into this monthly release cycle model uh, again so hoping hopefully get that one moving so the next if you think about the next thing is in SharePoint framework so 1.11 1.12 1.13 is planned to come out during the spring so we're getting the cycles and, and the release cycle much faster, hopefully. And then at the same time on the side, we're working on this Microsoft 365 component model, whatever it will be called, um, which will be then supported by Office add-ins and Teams and SharePoint as a platform. So including Fluid framework, which is interesting. Yeah, and so the message there is keep your eyes open for SharePoint conference and build Correct. and news coming out Correct. of Microsoft, as which is always good to hear, right? There's the, the history of Microsoft in silos, but clearly you guys are not in a silo. You're talking to everybody else, well, which is Well, we're trying to improve, <laughs> yes. One step at a time. It's no. not perfect yet, uh, but we're getting there. We're getting there. So That looks great. So is there anything else that we didn't cover that I forgot to ask you about in the 1.10 release? I think uh, we covered most of it, uh, right? The, 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 I think we covered most of it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So the application, uh, the 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 pre-allocation of places, they're not super interesting either. Uh, I think the search query extensions, Office add-ins, Teams, 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 Teams is a super interesting uh, capability. Uh, still, we can see clearly the most extensibility in SharePoint, but there is a clear gradual switch on the on the Teams side of the house because I think you can actually pull talk about this one as well because you meet actual customers. I've never seen a customer, not just kidding. <laughs> um, but, but there is more and more kind of growing interest on and, and discussions related on uh, what is the application and platform for collaboration, right? So is the collaboration platform, is it SharePoint, is it actually Teams or what is it? And, and right now we're pushing, as a Microsoft, we're pushing the Teams as the collaboration platform um, uh, right now, which works great for us as well. So I'm I'm not surprised that that's being pushed just out. So, yeah, and, and that that is what we're seeing. I, I I've taken the from what I've seen. I I wouldn't say a developer is going to write a SharePoint web part and then just deploy that into Teams because sure. your SharePoint site might sure. have a different audience than your Teams. Sure. But but again, as a developer, I can do Yo SharePoint and create a, a project and use the Teams API to interface with the platform and and the graph and so on. So the developer school skill set is the same, yep. which is great value. So certainly worth doing it. All right. So now as we wrap up, I, there's one or two places that folks can find you online. Can you, <laughs> is there, uh, I, I, the, the one I was alluded to earlier is the, uh, the Dev Weekly Show that you host with Waldeck. Can you give us a little bit of overview of what that is and what folks can see in there? Yeah, so on the on the SP Dev Weekly, uh, we we typically record SP Dev Weekly on Mondays, and then it goes out on Tuesday. And we go, uh, we have typically a visitor. Uh, we hope hopefully have always have a visitor. A visitor there. I will need to get you scheduled, Paul, uh, on the on the show. <laughs> um, but to talk about uh, the experiences of that person, what does the person do, and kind of introduce people uh, of the community as well and their background, uh, because I, I think that helps uh, showing people as human beings, because we are human beings. And 
and I think that's an important part of the of the current um, ETI team because I think in a past situation has been slightly different. Um, but then uh, the the half is introducing people, and half is around what has happened, uh, what are the latest announcements in Microsoft 365 and SharePoint side of the house within the past week, and also the community uh, articles, so blog posts, samples, uh, what community has contributed. So really calling out cool blog posts and what has been written by uh, by the awesome community which we have in the Microsoft 365. Yeah, and so for listeners of this podcast, right, Jeremy and I try to find everything across the the Microsoft 365 developer platform. So you guys are going deeper into SharePoint. So it's a great resource for folks to get, sure. to get on there. Sure. Yes, and then uh, I know many people have heard this already, but the the PNP has a, a, a schedule of information that you send out. Can you just recap that real quick for us? So uh, we have plenty of uh, community calls so on the on the SharePoint PMP side or the BMP side, which might actually get renamed uh, as a much, much slightly larger uh, initiative as well. Uh, but we have a monthly community call where we tend to have engineering people demonstrating the latest and greatest. So as an example, tomorrow, Tuesday, 14th of January, we'll talk about Project Cortex uh, and the Project Cortex PMs and engineering people will talk about that one in the monthly call. And then we have two different special interest scoop calls uh, happening bi-weekly, which means that every single Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific, um, we know that that might be a horrible time for some people, but then some people it might be a suitable time. Um, we have a community call uh, bi-weekly, it's SharePoint framework concentrated, and, and uh, bi-weekly it's then the non-SharePoint specific, SharePoint framework specific stuff like provisioning, see some uh, power platform integration, uh, automation, uh, solution designs, architectures, uh, what else? Teams integration, all of that stuff. So there's a lot of stuff happening. Uh, we've been we've been in the past. We've been always asking that: Do we want to have these many calls? I really that we want to have this. And every single time we ask this question, people are saying yes, we want all of the the uh, sorry the calls are getting recorded, all of the demos and and recordings are getting out in the YouTube, so people can actually find them easily afterwards as well. So you don't have to be explicitly on a call uh, because you're not going to miss it. Uh, you can check it out later on from the blog post or in the in the SharePoint Dev YouTube channel and uh, great so we'll get a link to all those in the show notes as well there's uh well we'll get a link to your sure. your announcement page which is very helpful thank you very much and then i really appreciate you taking the time i know you're busy and it's wonderful to get uh, a recap of the state of the, of the spfx from you directly so absolutely great and uh look forward to catching up again over some beers Thank you for having me, and and hopefully the snow is melting away in, uh, fast in Redmond, so Jeremy will get back to work as well. So, <laughs> what's interesting is we got snow here in Chicago, but it's you know uh, minimal. It's no big deal for us, but uh, yeah, out there it yeah. does kind of lack yeah. up the whole the whole joint, exactly. doesn't it? So. <laughs> yes, it does. All right, yes, it does. <laughs> All right, thanks, Vesta. Thank you. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for listening to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at m365devpodcast and check out our show notes at www.m365devpodcast.com. To help us spread the word, we'd really appreciate it if you could retweet our episode tweets and give us a review on iTunes. That's all, folks. 